on the Spencer's the Pez, Goking out at the cons, Renaissance Fest, Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie, <laughs> sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Listen up, fanboys! This is the Fanboy Planet Podcast. Oh yeah! And here's your host, a man who just got off the bus from Button Willow, Derek McCoy. Where? Button Willow. It's a wonderful place. That's in Narnia, sort of. But they do have Happy Meals there, and that's all that matters. It's a truck stop, indeed. There is. This is Derek McCaw, editor. He hangs out at truck stops. No. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. We are coming to you from Elusive Comics and Games, 2725 El Camino Real, Suite 104, it's got a Santa Clara. Like would, you, would you let me get through one concept? <laughs> truck stop well, okay, just okay, sounded funny. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Where are we? It doesn't matter now. We're in Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> And, and lawns of the, at the you know, I was going to say something awful. I will not say it. My editor is on. Uh, it's June 4th, 2008, and we've got quite a show for you. But first, my announcer and interrupter. Lawn Sandpaper Lopez. Indeed. Fine grain this week. And across from me, sound engineer, moral arbiter, and the guy who's supposed to keep it all on track. Ranks. Rick, Rick Band-Aid Brett Snyder. <laughs> yeah. On a sucking chest wound. And doing a very subtle, slow hip gyration, Michael Goodson. I was Michael Goodson, but I'm leaving. (laughs) Yes. Okay. We are now. This show is now 98% Goodson free. All right. We can edit that out, right? No. Oh, okay. Uh, So. The rest is corn fructose. (laughs) Indeed. And syrup. High fructose corn syrup. And we've got some comics news to talk about, of course. Uh, Big news. This week, uh, two big books that are supposed to change the universes as they know them, Ultimate Origins and... The Bible. Uh, and the Bible and Trinity, number one. No. Well, we'll talk about those later. we got movie news. We've got television, some DVD stuff, and that's all that I know of. So let's, uh, now that we've gotten uh, Andrew Preston's attention, good night, Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are, let us go back to comics, for that is the reason we sit at a comic book store and podcast. Jimmy Durandy references go right to the core of our demographic. Absolutely. We have a demographic? We do. Did we? Oh, did we have any viewer mail this week? Or you did we? To bring it. We do have some viewer mail. Sweet. Hang on. I got to get up. I got to get my left laptop. Hang on. Okay. okay. Well, Derek's grabbing that. I think that uh, we should take a moment, me and Rick. To pat ourselves on the back for an excellent podcast last week. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, I'm patting you on oh. the back. Oh, I was literally, he's patting there you go. me on the back. That was great. I just listened to it again today. Uh, yeah, my, That's my one, 12th listen. I told Derek, I was my one disappointment was, was... Not enough Derek? Well, no, I had to play the Derek role, so I wasn't my usual funny, entertaining self. You, it's I hard to interrupt had. yourself. Exactly. So wow. I needed the straight really? man. So but, yeah, Okay. So now this week, just expect a lot of lawn goodness. Oh, imagine my joy. Uh-huh. 
Okay, so while we're doing this, uh, let's see. And remember, into, into if, the mic, please. if you do have some interesting viewer mail you'd like to send us, you can reach us at Rick. Editor at, at fanboyplanet.com. That's right. Indeed. Okay. So or you can drop it by Elusive Comics and Games at uh, 27725 El Camino Real in Santa Clara. Sweet. Sweet. 104. That would be funny. If and 105. Like, people were dropping off mail here. Well, okay. we, we do have a giant mailbag. Yes, we got an email from a man. I don't. This must really be his name. I've never seen this. Anthony O'Conn. Okay, doesn't sound like somebody you have paged in an airport, but Anthony O'Conn, who writes Tony O'Conn, who's Tony O'Conn, who saw us at no, it's Anthony. He says very clearly. Oh, okay, uh, he saw us at Bacon, and the oh, header cool. was "Thanks for all you do." Hey, not Aww. knowing what Fanboy Planet was, I passed by your actual podcast recording at Bacon, not wanting to interrupt or stay for unknown proceedings. You know, it's all those fans who are too polite to let us know we're listening. They're listening, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, and Stephanie, we're glad you sat down. And and your wife too. I'm glad that she sat down. Pirate Debbie. I'm not married. Did she sit down? Oh, his wife. Okay. Uh, she stood with one foot up on chair. But it looked far more piratic. It did. I employed subtle arts to locate your PR man. However, I believe it was his look of silent absolute focus upon your podcast and asked him for a flyer. Are you the silent PR man? Boy, I don't think I was silent on that podcast. Uh, uh, no, I was screaming. About a week later, I'm going through my things and finally go to your site and listen to Fanboy Planet's Bacon Podcast. How short-thrifted I feel. I am a comics fan. My first at age five, and I am 37 years old. During the convention, I walked around as a Grendel, a fair costume. That's his assessment. And Wait, as, which Grendel? The ninja or from Beowulf? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I'm assuming the, the Matt Wagner character. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah, probably. I think I did see somebody. I Grendel think it maybe. And as Orion Asante, better but still not a perfect costume. I had been thinking of a Grendel Birds of a Feather gathering, or maybe just a comics fan's Birds of a Feather, a party room, but lamented the lack of comics fans at Bacon on the eve of our victory, the most literate translation of Watchmen to the screen. I, I don't think it's victory yet. We haven't seen it. But, you know, that's we okay. Will. And one of sadness, the death of Rory Root. We did talk about yes. proprietor of... Uh, Comic Relief in Berkeley on the 19th. I would have liked to talk about that with someone who could empathize the loss of possibly the greatest graphic novel proprietor on the West Coast, a major contributor and promoter of the comics book Legal Defense Fund, or just laughed about Lon cracking on the Indiana Jones latest film. Five stars. Couldn't disagree with him more. I c- that's I didn't, there you go. That's what he said. No, he says five stars. He, he couldn't disagree with oh, you more. okay, good. I couldn't hear your podcast at all. The drone of the, from the hall was deafening, and I'm really surprised that your podcast came out as clear as it did. Right there across the table from me, Mr. Rick Brettschneider, ladies and gentlemen. I it is, the nods. It is to you for your knob twiddling that, that, that the podcast comes out as clearly as it does. Anyway. Who knew knob twiddling <laughs> can do well, so well? Well, that the penicillin. Anyway, yes. thanks for your presence at Baycon. I will subscribe to the site, listen and look for you guys at any other cons you will be at. I will be attending PAX, the Penny Arcade Expo, this year, and I think that's it for my yearly convention calendar. We'll be at Silicon this year. Yeah, but I'll be with you next year supporting comics in the partially hostile environment of Baycon. I don't think it's hostile. They just ignore us. We had a great time. And I will definitely run the Comics Fans and Readers BOF and look for you in the halls. Man, I could have stumped you with some questions that just burns me. I missed this opportunity. (laughs) This will be a lesson to me. He's gunning for you. (laughs) Most people are. Hell, I'm sitting at the table with a guy gunning for me. Thanks so much, Anthony O'Conn. Anthony, and that's why I thought it was a, I, that's why I thought it was a pseudonym because it's O apostrophe C O N. It's like O'Conn, he's like he's at Anthony the con. of the con, uh, of the con. You know, it may be, it, could be, it may be. But you know, though, for Anthony, if you are listening, 
You can send your stumping questions to Directly us to. on Absolutely. the air. Absolutely. We would gladly be stumped. And also, you want to keep listening because sometimes we actually have giveaways where you have to answer a comic-y type question, right? Or, or just answer the phone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really. Or I just be just home. Just be yeah. home, really. <laughs> know the count and the amount. That's mm-hmm. all it takes, really. Oh, Diana Brothers. That goes for our demographic as well. There we well. go. Thanks. That's a little, uh, a little younger. <laughs> okay, a little younger. Well, hey, you know what? Thanks for what you do, Anthony O'Conn. And that's write letters to us at editor. I think even and more. I, and I have to admit, I have more to. More importantly, and listen to our I podcast. I will just disagree with him on one point. The Bacon people were absolutely fabulous. When we saw that it wasn't going to work in the fanzine lounge, they totally accommodated us moving to the hallway. Well, I loved it in the hallway. Oh, I uh, we got a We got table brought up for us and chairs and. Dog on you, Lon Lopez. <laughs> what? It was just a snicker. That's all. <laughs> anyway, you loved so, it in the fancy lounge. Looking for it. I didn't. Looking forward to it again next year, and we'll be doing a similar one at Silicon. You know, I understand what Anthony's saying, though. I don't think it's the Baycon organizers. The whole reason we're there at Baycon, we were invited years ago because they wanted to up the comics presence. We're fighting an uphill battle, but that's all right. You know, we've got our convention scene. I can all certainly the first year I was there, Wait, I did I, feel that there was like you know that it's like oh comics, not a lot of people showed up. But I think this year more people seem to be out of it, oh, yeah. as well we should be. It's all just a merge. I mean we're all we're all just looking at strange you know we live in strange worlds and and have fun. So you're saying doing. nerds are getting persecuted at Baycon by other nerds? Absolutely. My God, Actually, it's the, nerd on nerd crime. <laughs> absolutely. The comic the comic panel that you unfortunately weren't at <laughs> I, yeah. was incredibly well attended. That was uh, oh pretty great because mine wasn't yeah thanks Bacon sorry okay, I left I'm going to turn on to go to the other no one. I know you did I saw it yeah. fact, you know the other panelists knew you by yeah, the next day they did they Isn't referred to the me same for guy? Yes. questions yes. and said Rick maybe you know yeah. well there you have it so you know thanks I, for that viewer but mail. I think and I think next year our our presence at at Bacon is going to be even stronger that and that's good and it's good and it's always good to know. Uh, whether people are listening to us, and, and I like knowing how they found out, yeah. and that's great. That's you know, great. We like you know, the feedback. Comics. This Let's week. move on to some positive stuff. Absolutely. How like. about Ultimate Origins number one? Is that positive? Did you take it, get a chance to look at? it? I did not. I Neither bought did it I. On sight unseen. Okay. Well, I, I won't. I, I, I'll try not to spoil anything. I did get a chance to read it. I thought maybe you'd have a chance. Have a chair to, match here. Uh, that. Uh, that it d- ties things together. I mean, I'm clearly it's setting this thing for what do they call ultimatum? The basically the end of the ultimate universe by Thank explaining God. the beginning of the ultimate universe, and uh, and establishing really oddly firmly in the timeline that um, that that Marvel team up, the Ultimate Marvel team up, Spider Man, the first appearance of the Hulk uh-huh. in the Ultimate Universe, right. like five years ago, was only yeah. six months ago. And what? so he says, like, he's just time like, flies. Six months. well, you know, it's, it's comic book time. It, it all compresses, and I understand that. Yeah. Um, and so he it says, was a flash forward. So it's all connected. You know, Bruce Banner says that, said way back when, it's all connected. Don't you see? It's all connected. And so this is starting to lay the groundwork for, or I guess not really lay the groundwork, there's really showing those connections. And a couple of them are actually really surprising. You know, Bendis' way where I kind of go, all right, I don't feel like that's cheating. That's not cheating too okay, much. Okay, seriously, I know nothing about this book. Is there a central character, or is it just moving through I think all it's the characters? Ultimate or? Final Crisis is what is we're it, talking it, about. It, essentially what it is, absolutely. As Ultimate Origins is what came out, and so that's... Right, so it begins with that with that moment in Ultimate Marvel Team-Up, 
and then it goes back to show more okay. of the origin of Captain America, which really didn't happen much. We saw Captain America. We've taken it for granted that it was pretty much the same origin as right. it was in right. the regular Marvel Universe. It's not. Oh, no. Really? And, and there's another super soldier that we've been reading the adventures of all along that we did not know Wolverine. Was, from the same, was from the same program. Interesting. Is it Wolverine? And, and No. Dark. Although he's in there, too. Yeah. So, but we, we I'd say we knew of Nick him Fury. because you just. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I guessed <gasps> it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, as an explanation why he's in Charter Shield and okay. all this. And nice. uh, so it covers that and, and talks about, you know, of uh, Wolverine in the in the 40s. And so it's kind of, it's, it's a very interesting take, you know. And I look at those, and Lon, you don't like the Ultimate Universe. And I think, like, these. Kind I liked of, Ultimate Spider Man. I thought it, it was a good book. But the but the kind of the retelling of these stories, as much I do enjoy them, and it's like some of them do make you know make a lot more sense. But but mm-hmm. it's also because well, you've got the benefit of forty years of hindsight, and you've seen these stories told, and now they're synthesized it in a way. Whereas the original guys, scoot off for Stan and Jack, we're making up as they go along. I just didn't, didn't like know. the Ultimate Universe because aside from Ultimate Spider-Man, every other book, everybody was a jerk. Like there was no character I mean, contrast. That's that, that's a that, that's a. a a decent point. I, just, I would agree that many of the characters have been jerky. They were like significantly more flawed. Yeah, but it was like one of those things where there's no you got to have some good characters, you know, and some heroes in there yeah. to show some contrast. And, and I stopped reading Ultimate X Men because I really felt that it, instead of really telling a story, it was busy telling us that everything we thought we'd know from the introduction of a character yeah, was, was wrong, twisted. So somehow. like the cable. The identity of Cable, somebody completely different. Yeah, you know, like just because you're going to mention. Ultimate yeah. Fantastic Four, I don't think suffers from the. Uh, the, those you know, the only problem I have with Ultimate Fantastic Four is it's only the fourth world saga with Marvel characters. Hmm. And and, and so, Reed Richards was kind of a jerk. No, I don't think Wasn't Reed Richards he? is a jerk. He's just a lot younger. He's, uh, he's more prone to error. Yeah. Well, so, Victor Von Doom was kind of a jerk. And. <laughs> that one's okay. okay. Who agree with you? Ultimate Fantastic Four you. did give us Marvel zombies. Okay, uh, so you know, there we go. Uh, I'll be happy when the Ultimate Universe is dead, just okay. like the new. Well, universe. all right, we'll, we'll be checking back. No, that's back. New Universal. Oh man, <laughs> just like the Heroes Are Born universe. Uh, that was back in. Oh no, damn! <laughs> if there's money to be made, it'll be back. Nothing dies forever. Mm. Um, so over uh, over on the DC side, last week you guys talked about Final Crisis number one. Yes, we did. Which was a little confusing. It was <laughs> really confusing. Uh, and I, now, did you finally get a chance to read it? I did. Now, you're the DC guy. Right. What was your take on it? Well, uh, Were you as confused and upset as we were? I was not terribly confused in some things. And you know, then Rick and I parsed it out a little bit today earlier. Looking at panels and going back over who, um, who did what, who when. did what, when, and why. Yeah. Uh, my confusion, and it's, and I can see where you know, absolutely. So, as, and don't take this as an insult. Someone like you I never do. Uh, someone like you who is not a big DC fan is not going to come into this. And in my complaint, you're not even going to begin to comprehend. Which is that this appearance? Stay with us, big guy. Yeah. No, that's what I said last week. The, the, yeah. the appearance of the of the evil new gods, uh, the Dark Side Club, as they're now being built in other books in the DC universe. Right. Uh, they appeared that way in the Mister Miracle miniseries as part of the Seven Soldiers of Victory, which clearly took place before the Infinite Crisis, right. because at the end of Fifty Two, the Seven Soldiers were together essentially and fighting. 
Um, so this is saying that they didn't couldn't appear that way until after the death of the new gods, as we thought was going on. So it is definitely a mind-bending thing. Now Rick's argument back to me was, we're not I done with time f- I'm travel. Sure we're not done with time travel. And I made a comment last week, and I, I think I had it wrong. It was either the anti-life equation or dark sides um, nega beams that could display omega beams. Omega beams could uh, his fava mega beams, please his fava beams. Um, could displace people in time as well. Oh, they could. I think the Omega Beams could do that. I think the Forever people that. went back in time when they got hit by them once. I think, I think you're right. So, you know, there may be some – they may explain it with some kind of hand-waving it, about time there, travel. But there's a lot of confusion. And, I, and I said the whole thing with the monitors trying to make those important, those characters important, and trying to make it sound like they've had this huge long history when we Yawn. know they haven't, it's just – well, I trust Grant Morrison, but I know that there are not there are not a lot of people that that do. He's very confusing in Batman R.I.P. He's introducing a lot of things where I'm like going, "Oh, you are working way too hard yeah. to throw this all, tie this all together, and it's two years worth of Batman continuity." But I don't want him to. I don't want him to introduce new stuff to tie together the old stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that just feels like a cheat. I want them to work with the material that they have. And resolve. It does feel like they're already cheating. Yeah. Like every every miniseries ends, every event is ending with a new event that's saying what you just read yeah. was wrong. Let us fudge this. And, and here's some outside otherworldly force that's going to yeah, realign I, things. I'm going to agree. And uh, kind of what Shackett said at Baycon. That why, it's too hard. Why to, read everything when they're just going to change it the next year? So everything you just read was false. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 we'll have to see. I can agree with that. It's it, like betraying it, your fans. If this was something that was meant to get fans excited and jump on board, no it's way in no way, way is that going to do that. Just as the DC Universe number zero, which I did reread and went, okay, it made more sense to me as a long-term reader once I really took some time to pour over it. Right. Which we don't always often don't always do, but nobody's going to grab that off a spinner rack and have and a go, good time. <laughs> grab it off the spinner rack and have a good time, boys. Nope. What will they grab off the spinner rack and have a good time? Secret Invasion. I'm going to say they would. Yeah. Now, DC's trying one that's a little more accessible, Trinity, which is going to be a weekly series, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, the holy trinity of the DC universe. It's quite a logo if you look at it on the cover. I mean, the, uh, it's, a clever, it's a clever logo. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like harkens to the, the Batman, Superman, Superman logo yeah. with Wonder Woman now yeah. between them, sandwiched between the two logos. <laughs> oh, they, um, and Batman's why don't they just call it Threesome? Okay, uh, because Matt Wagner actually wrote a miniseries called Trinity earlier, and so this is sort of a continuation of that idea. But Matt Wagner didn't write this, though. No, but oh, okay. they've already established that that's a an iconic Batman's Wonder Woman Superman story in the DC universe called mm-hmm. Trinity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is a continuation of that idea. Uh, Fifteen pages a week from Kurt Buschek and Mark Bagley, who was on Ultimate Spider-Man, and this is his first DC work. And I like Bagley. I don't know if it's ever. Is it ever? Has he ever worked for DC before? I don't know. So it might be the first time. Um, and it's quite a challenge for him. And then in the backup, be like eight pages uh, of a backup that's sort of supposed to fill in like corners of with other heroes. Now, Rick, you read that and you felt like... I know it's a weekly, right? And so... So you're going to get 60 pages a month. Yeah, but you're going to get six... This is only 16 pages of core story. And the but it's like the... The thing about Countdown, they would do the core story and then they have two pages of backup story to explain some character, mm-hmm. right? That was fine. But this, I'm like, I always, I detest the backup stories 
because they're usually not given as much attention. They're not as high quality. They'll they'll not mm-hmm. have as good a uh, writer. Now, this artist actually is using some of the characters from from the uh, Demon series with right. Etrigan. And so the the art is sufficiently Jack Kirby-esque. So. Well, that's what Scott McDaniel, right? I don't uh, know if it's yeah, Scott, it is. It is? No, yeah, it is Scott, Scott McDaniel and Andy Owens. Uh, I like him doing that better than I've, I think I've ever liked Scott McDaniel. I, yeah. I really like the art on that story. So, uh, but it's Busek again here. So maybe yeah, so it, they're maybe, gonna, it's going to be tightly. I'm just suspicious. I think what it's doing, what they're doing with that, is to say is to take that what would be the subplots, you know, or the B plot out of the main story, and just completely putting it in the back, so that another artist can take care of it, or yeah. other writers can handle it. It's, it makes it so it can be more parallel in the construction, and but, so that they can yeah. make this a weekly. I mean, because for for Mark Bagley to draw sixty, let's say if it's sixteen pages of story, sixty four pages a month. He's a fast artist, and he's one of the few. But you know, you couldn't you couldn't make this yeah. a weekly book and have him doing twenty two, twenty three pages a week. Okay. So I, it's an interesting experiment. I don't know how long I'm going to be interested in it. But what well, like you the, think the of the initial story? I you know I I like the uh, the initial story. Uh, well, I shouldn't say it hasn't really gotten to much of a story. We know that they're having dreams. I like Kerbyshek's writing. I like his interpretations of the characters. We started to talk about this before and save it, but uh, I I actually didn't like their give and take between the three characters in this book as much as I like the beginning of the JS JLA. So you like Brad relaunch. Meltzer's writing of it better uh, than that was just. I mean, they weren't even talking about themselves or what they were doing. They're talking about other characters mm-hmm. and their evaluation mm-hmm. of it. You learn more about you learn more about their characters in that discussion than you learn here. Yeah, but I think I just, this, but oh. I think this book is more of a you could jump on, you could get a book with your favorite three characters yeah, if that's that. what you thought, and you would recognize them as who they are. You might be excited, and then you get this Morgana Le Fay backup story yeah. that will throw a little wrench in it all. But I think you could hand that to somebody who's been out of comics for a while, and I think that's the goal of this book. Someone's been out of comics, they go in and they go, "I like Superman, I like Batman, I like Wonder Woman. I know who those characters are." Yeah. Pick it up. But we didn't really get Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. We got Clark Kent, Diana, and Bruce Wayne. I'm okay with that, too. Oh, okay. But I'm just saying that you could, if you did some, if you were a casual fan and you came off the street. You're getting you, through about the first eight pages of yeah, seeing him in costume. Exactly. So to counterpoint your okay. suggestion, I mean, you're about what? The first costumes you see are Flash. Yeah, the first Flash. character in costume is the Flash. So... And he's get, not even part of the Trinity, and he's got a big action sequence in the, the middle. The Flash and his uh, son, I think. Yeah, the Flash and his twins. Jay and, and I'm ours. talking about his kids. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I do that. they don't get... And Batman's maybe in two panels in this whole thing. So... It's a first, first issue. We'll it is, but it's like you said, though, in that back to the Meltzer's JLA... They were all in costume the whole time, and it's like you said, they're talking about other heroes, and you're getting a better sense of mm-hmm. character. And this one... It's like I said, you know, Batman's ordering a frappuccino and acting, you know, oh, Diana, you're a vision. And like you said, they're playing into their character roles. But it's like, is this a satisfying read for a first issue? Somebody just, a, like you said, a casual, you know, reader off the street is going to pick this up and go. It does seem to be a recurring theme that we need more of these comics to really entertain someone who's never read the comics before. To grab mm-hmm. them and get them tied in. Not just to play to the people who are already buying them. And I, I and I would counter your counter that some of those people find the most unbe- find the biggest thing in their way is those costumes. Mm. You mm. give eight pages of oh they're people, 
That's interesting. That's not the way I thought they were. I mean, that's why Smallville does very well on te- does well on television. They well, that and it's a you know moving pictures. Well, there's books. that too. But I, I mean, there are Reading's a lot of people. Hard. I mean, this is an argument I used to have about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's a superhero show. Yeah. But because she doesn't wear a costume, yeah. lots of people who would never have read a comic book watched that show and loved it. Angel, same thing. Angel was essentially a vampire Batman. Yeah. You know, but because he didn't buy that. put on a costume, and there are a lot of people that just find that really. It's like people who don't like musicals. I hate them. I yeah, know. I guess I'm a, coming down to it. Not a condemnation, but the, for the first issue, I would have liked to have seen it all horror story. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Maybe just you know take them all the way through. I just noticed something. Yeah. First issue of Trinity. Will you will you please describe it for the listeners at home that can't see it? The cover. The cover describe the cover. Is Superman is standing in front of a building on Paradise Island. Kind of casual. He's mm-hmm. leaning, mm-hmm. Not, and his arms are folded, and he's kind of bored. He's very flexing. He's but he's him. but look at him. He's but he's bemused. That's a, that's an expression of amusement. That's but I mean, calm. This he's, is this he's is self assured. Lon. The cover is basically telling you this is how you're going to feel after you read Trinity. <laughs> He's not punching anything. He's not flying through the air. He's just sitting there, his arms well, folded. Well, now that's a good point. That's, this is, arms this is the Seinfeld story. This is not going. This is not going to make. What's this the book sign- about? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Superman's just going. He's got a Jerry Seinfeld statue on his bookcase. <laughs> boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Oh, oh I'd love goodness. that. <laughs> I'd love that. Somebody has to do that. Seinfeld poster and then a Seinfeld. But I'm just saying, if oh when gosh. they say don't judge a book by its cover, this is a pretty accurate cover. You're looking at it going, hmm, yeah. I'm going to be really bored by this story. Speaking okay. of bored, we should move on. All right. I'm bored by you. All right. So Whatever. Bored by your boredom. It's an infinite loop. Uh, Martian Manhunter, of course, R.I.P. We didn't spoil it last week, but now we can. Because, of course, the big news this week is there'll be a special by uh, Peter Tomasi, uh, Martian Manhunter. Of course. Uh, it's a uh, final crisis. Requiem. So a one shot that uh, oh one of, shot that okay. explodes. Yeah, at least it's not a miniseries. I was gonna say it's because the first thing and you do when a character die, is dedicate twelve issues to do. <laughs> See why you should have cared. Uh, yeah, I you know Blue Beetle got a better death. Yeah, and uh, that's just my uh, my problem with it. I know they wanted to kill a big gun to be shocking and say this crisis really means something, but Blue a, Beetle's death a character that who's was like near as old as any of the ones in the Trinity, right and. Ah. And in their continuity, current continuity, older that he watched yeah. over them, he was this guy, and I'm sure, and it's going to be used as this sense in Final Crisis where we're not happy that he's dead, and we're well, why would they be? Uh, you know, dead. Shot a banner. He was such a nudge. Uh, you know, they're going to be. You know, it's, it makes it personal. But I just thought it was just so like, what? How did Libra capture him? How did this? You know, yeah. so many questions raised by that Final Crisis, and the Martian Manhunter has always been a favorite of mine. I just feel like. Oh, I mean, I don't think he worked well necessarily as the lead, but there are characters like that that they're so they work really well in ensemble books or in support positions. So he's dead, right? That's the theory. Like Superman died. He's right. Bucky dead. He's Bucky oh. dead. Like uh, Aquaman died. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Aquaman oh, okay. still. Uh, like uh, like Barry Allen died. Like uh, okay, should I go on? Oh, don't, okay. don't cheapen my my rage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I honestly think that he's not really dead in that storyline. I think it might be a trick by Libra, maybe. You think? I don't know. I mean, he had maybe to show he, power. Maybe he is Libra. Ooh. Because he's a shapeshifter, right? Yes. He's a scroll. 
And plus, the version they killed was the new version of Martian Manhunter. Which I really didn't like. There was no... Yeah. That made no sense for We're, that. Conehead Manhunter? Yeah. yeah. The conehead, so I'm hoping that they'll go back and explain that there was some wacky doppelganger or They've something. They've never really adequately... I read that miniseries again. It was an awful miniseries. And it wasn't very good. It didn't really adequately explain. I still have this problem of, where the heck did all these white Martians come from? And and everybody acts like they knew about that all the time, and the only time you see them, you know, it's like their first appearance is like, oh, the White Martians—they've been around for a long. What? And and then the Miss Martians, just like the is, century, which is like that year later Teen Titans thing has never really been Miss Martian. Where did she come from? When did Megan join them? And there's a lot of Teen Titans that they showed being members that they've never explained. That just said in that year, you know. So it, it brings up all the things I haven't liked over Maybe the last. Maybe Final Crisis three. will explain everything. Maybe. Or just erase everything. And maybe monkeys will fly out of my fundament. There, I've said it. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of strange character changes, if I may, mm-hmm. you know that Marvel's been been trying to uh, kind of euthan. Uh, euthanize? No, I don't no. want to say euthanize. <laughs> that was a joke on the close. office. Uh, I was trying to avoid that. Uh, appealed us to little children. We, we, we know with the superhero squad action figures. Uh-huh. Are now they have this line of, I guess it's toys and books and coloring books called Spider-Man and Friends. They're all like uh, elementary school, probably primary oh, age yeah, children. Wasn't there an animated show called Spider-Man? Yeah, and his friend? amazing friends. Amazing friends. These are just his normal friends, his boring, working friends. This is young Spider-Man. He is homeowner. Still As opposed to old Spider-Man. Still called Spider-Man, even though he's probably only seven. Uh, there's ca- young Captain America, young Hulk. Um, I really, I couldn't steal the book from my son. Don't tickle me. You wouldn't like me when you tickle me. It's almost that bad. It's almost that bad. So he ha- my son has this book that just explains who each and every one of them are. Okay. So there's a spider girl who Wait, is, who is, is Peter Parker's cousin, May okay. Parker. Who is this has, oh, May Parker. Okay. But he has, still has an Aunt May. He's raised by his Aunt May. Yeah. And she's like seven. Spider Girl is like seven. She's got the pigtails. So she's Spider Girl with Spider Man with pigtails. Um, Captain is America a- is young Stevie Rogers, who just loves our country so much that he carries a shield and <laughs> dresses up. Is this based off the toys or no? It's no. This is even. This is more you like know this. the ones that the action hero ones, like the, where that size. the Fisher Prize ones, yeah. where you go in and you can see that, and you can make them like that's, construction workers. That's what they're based on. That's yes. what I mean. The Spider Man yes, yes. friends, not the superhero squad. There is right, a, right, yes. right. So there are these toys. Uh, Hulk is young Brucey Banner, who I can't remember. It's like if you if you Brucey, yeah. Um, Silver Surfer was one that cracked me up because he's just soaking up the rays. And the waves in the air that he surfs on really make him mellow. And um, yeah, um, it's just it, it's just horrendous. Like and Wolverine, so young Logan, a seven year old Logan. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to just. You know what? What I'll do is I, I'm gonna read this into my little recorder for you, and I'm gonna send you the audio <laughs> Thank file. Thank you. Oh, because, I'll listen to it on the next. Yeah, long but not trip on I this have. podcast. Just. Be, I couldn't take it from my son because he was really like, you know, he sat down and said, read me this story, Daddy. And I was like, what? I almost threw up my mouth. Daddy can't. <laughs> Sorry. Daddy can't. It's a perversion. It's a perversion of everything he holds Blasphemy. dear. Blasphemy. Uh, anyway, so, and of course there's villains too. There's little kid villains. There's oh, a Doc no. Little Vicky Doom. There's a <laughs> Vicky Doom. Vicky Doom. Von Doom. Vicky Von Doom. It's a girl. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's funny. Female species is deadlier than the male. Absolutely. Especially if she's got scarred up face. Yeah. Oh. Well, uh, 
Probably not. Uh, no. No. Acne. All right. This is wrong. Was that all the comic no, news we well, had? That was kind of, we had a couple of other things. There was an announcement from Disney uh, last week that you guys didn't cover. Disney has announced that they're going to launch a, a relaunch, I guess, because they've done comics before. They are launching a graphic novel line called Kingdom. Uh, but here's who's in charge. This guy I've never heard of named Harris Cattleman. He's been like a producer, movie producer for a few years. Uh, Christian Baranek, who is a name in comics, probably, but he is the writer of King Arthur versus Dracula and the founder of Silent Devil Publications, which is a, it's an independent comic line. They did uh, Death Comes to Dillinger. They're kind of weird out there books. but uh, and, and by weird, I don't mean... They're unreadable. They're they're good. They're just like weird ideas and twisted. Well, yeah, yeah. King Arthur versus Dracula. That's that the most that's the most mainstream. And I gotta say, uh, at SuperCon last year, they gave me a copy of it. it. It's so much better than I thought it was going to be. Hmm. And he got a film out of you know a film deal out of it. So he's you know there'll be a King Arthur versus that's Dracula. Every movie. indie's dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Mm. Anyway, uh, so uh, so he's got the chops. The third name associated with this is just a little odd to me. Maybe it's just. Amit Zappa. Ah. So, the three of them are going to be the rulers of the kingdom, if you will. <laughs> and, uh... And, have costumes. And who, uh, perhaps. And who knows? Uh, there's been nothing really talking about like what their actual titles are going to be. Now, what this does put in flux is slave labor graphic graphics has been uh, running for like two years now. They've got Tron, Gargoyles, Haunted Mansion, hmm. and Wonderland, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, or really, it's, it's Wonderland. It's the, the adventures after Alice left. But the uh, Disney version? Cause I, yeah, the Disney version. Because yes. I thought Alice in Wonderland was fair game, the, the book. Yes, but this is the licensed Disney oh, okay. versions of version of Wonderland. Okay. Um, and that deal apparently expires in August. Yeah, and they're done. No, Dan Beto said that the one he would actively pursue is he would like to keep Gargoyles because Gargoyles has turned, have been fairly lucrative for them. Mm. And they have the original creator of the show, um, Greg Wiseman, <coughs> writes it, and he's the current producer on Spectacular Spider-Man. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's a good high profile for them. I don't know if they've come out with that many uh, issues of Tron and Tron's kind of a weird property. It's like hit and miss, and sometimes people are way yeah. It's into a continuation it and, of the movie and the video game Tron 2.0 that came out a couple of years ago. But I don't even know anybody that's played it. Mm. So um, they could do you know like comic versions of you know the the computer war sneakers or whatever that one. Uh, tennis shoes. Tennis shoes. Thank you. Are you just doing that to see if I'll, if uh, my hackles I'm trying will to rise? remember. That's yeah. all. So. The Dexter Riley, the Dexter. Riley. Well, you know, but there might be a market to kind of revive Dexter Riley in a comic book form, sort of. You know, as high school adventures, almost like the who's you know, Dexter the, Riley? That's the computer that's character. Oh, is that Kurt Russell? Kurt Russell. Cool. It's like, he had several of like films. four films. Uh, the strongest man in the world. Now you see him. Now you don't. <laughs> strongest man in the world. Wasn't that the one where he took a special juice to mm-hmm. make himself really strong? Mm-hmm. Kind of puff of blue smoke, and then he he took the cream. I was like going to say, it's like he pretty much the, he took the clear. Wasn't it's pretty much steroids? Was, now you see him. Now you don't. Yes, uh, and it spilled over the breakfast cereal or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, now, I'd be interesting to see. I might actually, you know, pick one of those up if they had some good. I was checking out. But the other thing Disney has, which they really haven't played up, other than the Abadazad, is they have all the cross gen books. They could continue or finish mm-hmm. some of the cross gen stories if they wanted to. I don't think they're going to. Who wants them? 
You know oh, there mean? were some good ones. Oh, Michael Goodson won some. Oh, well. <laughs> no, I... Actually, I was really happy. They did finish Ruse, which was my favorite book of the They did finish Ruse? Yeah, they, they wrapped that storyline. I mean, there's still a couple questions about it, but... I don't remember them finishing Ruse. Oh, yeah. golly. Are they going to finish Abadazad? Abadazad has been released in uh, a series of children's books. Oh. So they're kind of a, co- a combination of I novels and I dug that and a guns. lot. So, yeah, um... They had a couple copies here. I don't think they have them right now, weren't but they, you can go to Borders or Barnes and & Noble and you can find them. Weren't they talking about making a movie of that? Or yeah, no? they were talking about that. And that's Not one of the reasons Disney bought CrossGen because they really wanted to Batazad. And then they didn't really do well with it, but they didn't really know what to do with it. But there was talk of that. And uh, what's the Clyde Barker one? Uh, Imagica? Is that right? Well, Imagica is – there are two books of Imagica. I don't remember. Was there a – Graphic novel? No, Disney owns those. Oh, they do. Okay. And because they're thinking of turning it into pieces of a, of a park. Yeah. So is that was a Magica? Is that right? What that? I think that's the one. That talked yeah, about. I, I think only, it was Metallica. I've only read the first one. No. So now speaking of things that are potentially franchises, Stephen King's family. Yeah. Uh, you just read uh, and, and got me to d- dive in and, and read uh, a series from IDW called Lock and Key by Joe Hill, yep. who's not so secretly the son of Stephen King. That's one of the worst kept secrets, but I think it's it's one of those things that you, when you're Stephen it, King's fa- son, you don't want people buying the book. You because you're Stephen King's the, son, yeah. The people who are going to know are going to buy you anyway, but there are people out there who are just casual readers who will not mm-hmm. just pick him up. Well, when you say things like it's the worst kept secret, it's like, well, of course we know, but we're Zorlax. We follow this kind of thing. There's a lot of people that don't realize that. Yeah. It's kind of like the difference between like Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. You know what I mean? I believe there are people out there who still haven't figured out that they're brothers. I'm just saying. It's true. Emilio wanted to go off on his own and not be known as Martin Sheen's son. Right. But in any case, I would, And I'd... he's now looking for work. Charlie Sheen, on the other hand, is rich and famous and, and neither has one of sex them with prostitutes. Written a comic book. No. <clears throat> Not yet. As anyway. opposed to Joe Hill, who, when this uh, the first book came out, he already optioned this for um, movie. A film, yeah. yeah. And we um, did discuss a series, on a, they, a franchise podcast. based on this uh, apparently perpetual story that they're going to be telling around this family in the house. Oh, okay, like. yeah. But. I had heard this. I had heard this book, and Joe Hill credited with not being at all like Stephen King, and having just read the well, I'm just the glad. first four books. In I'm one glad series, I never heard that. What you apparently you were, heard because yeah, <laughs> your juice would have squirted out your nose. Because this is this is so <laughs> that, much that like painful. This is so much like, and not in a bad way at all. Because I love Stephen King's work, but it's so much like a fresh new Stephen King book that it's not funny. I mean, it's. It's the same kind of uh, now. Let me just float this idea past you. Uh huh. Has anyone ever actually seen Joe Hill? Could this be another <laughs> Richard, Richard Bachman, Bachman thing? <laughs> yeah. No, Wizard actually put really, pictures of. I really him. Didn't. Yeah, but there were so pictures what? of Joe <laughs> Richard Bachman, Bachman too. <laughs> no, but he looks like a younger king with a beard. It's really weird. Stephen King had a beard as a young man, and I rest my case. No, but it was like. It wasn't like an old-time picture with, like, crinkles and wrinkles in it. Anyway. <laughs> He's not that old. It's like a daguerreotype. This is the – we're through the first four four issues of a six-issue arc for this first mm-hmm. story. And it's developing nicely. It's got uh, – I mean, the art is kind of – it's funky. It's kind of com- really uh, comic-y, not, not trying to be totally anatomically musculature and everything. But um, I'm trying to think the guy who did uh, – but it reminds me there was a there was an artist who died not too long ago who was uh, known for like these like the rounded big feet and um, he did uh, he did 
Gen 13 for a while. I thought he did the the crossover book from Gen 13. Yeah. Oh, you mean Mike Moringo? Yeah. It's. I'm finding the art kind of similar. I hadn't really made that connection, but I, I, I could see. It seems Same kind of liberties with uh, with, with anatomy, form, figure, yeah, anatomy yeah. stuff. But it's consistent, and yeah. the, you know, I don't mind someone exaggerating that without as long as it's consistent. It's art, odd to see that kind of art style mixed in with the kind of graphic violence with a story as graphic as yeah. this. Yeah, and it, it the, is a good read. Though. The story isn't consistently horrific because that would just be exhausting. It's not like if you were reading Lady Death or something where it's just all this mindless stuff. There's a lot of character development. There's a family, mm-hmm. a strong family story here. Well, that's Stephen There's King's plot, strength. Plot if I, character if we dare say, that's what makes Stephen King stand out from the crowd is you do care about his characters. You are learning to care about these characters in the, the Locke family, is yeah. it? Um, and as I said earlier, the only complaint I have is just the obviousness of some of the names. They they are living in a town called Lovecraft. Yeah. So well, It's an they, island. I would oh, – oh, worse. Then I would never, ever, ever <laughs> move into a town called Lovecraft. You would if your last name was Lock and Key. If there's – yeah, that's the problem too. Their names are Lock and Key. And, uh, you know, if there's a Miskatonic school, no way. Yeah. Right. If there's anything about Field the trip. if if you know if everybody goes and gathers the fast food restaurant called the Yellow King, I would never. Uh, yeah. So. Or if your house is in the corner of danger and move away. Yeah, that yeah. would be a key too. So. Yeah. But Thanks anyway, for participating, mm-hmm. Lon. But anyway, it your looks, checks in the mail. The the story looks to be. Um, I mean, the story is basically a story of a family. It starts off with uh, a series of of scenes that go back in time due to an event that occurred in the current time where they're moving back into the house. And I'm I'm enthralled. I like it. Uh, I, I can't wait for the next two issues, and I expect that they're going to have a long run with this, uh, it's one of, this book. It's uh, probably the most enjoyable thing I, I've read out of IDW. Uh-huh. Uh, and they've done, you know, they don't do bad bad books. It's just most of their stuff is television adaptations. They've yeah. got the Star Trek Star license Trek right now, which is readable, but it's like, you know, and their angel is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And they've got Transformers and G.I. Joe, I think. Aren't they the ones, Lon, that you were, were you talking about that last week? Mm-hmm. They got the G.I. Joe license to mm-hmm. go with Transformers. Um you know, but they're not books that excite me. They're books that if I pick them up, I'm not sorry I read them. They're just not books that I'm going to go out of my way and find. Although now, I like see, all the other books that Marvel and DC are putting out, right? Well, there are some like okay. I, you know, I, I love reading fables, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I do read. And even if DC ticks me off or Marvel ticks me off, I still like. like well, I want to read about that character. Yeah. Now, now, one thing that IDW is doing that I haven't read yet, but I got a copy of was the. Um, they're continuing the Assignment Earth franchise yes. from Star Trek with John yes, Byrne. That should, be really, that should be great. So I'm really looking forward to reading that. And they had those characters that, that's uh, – oh, what's his name? Uh, the Terry Gar was and uh, – Yeah, and Robert Lansing was Ransom, the actor, Lansing, but I don't know what the uh, – Gary, Gary Seven. Seven. Gary Seven. Gary Seven and I can't remember the Terry Gar character's name to save my life. But they were in – they were major characters in the con uh, origin stories that were in the prose Star Trek books a couple of years ago. There were two, three uh, volumes that explained oh, well, Khan's origin. Uh, could you loan those to me? Because I love. Sure, could. I can remember as a kid being so thrilled, really, that I figured out that Assignment Earth was supposed to be a, a pilot for another show. Yeah, and it was like watching that and repeat, and then it clicked and going, 
were there more? Am I missing that? Am yeah. I somehow missing that there were more episodes of this? You know, I, I loved that. Those are great books, though, because they do tie, you know, con, it's kind of hard to get the con thing into because they state when he was yeah. in, in the... 1997. Uh, and they tie him into historic events, and they have Gary Seven going back to those times witnessing what's going on. So the whole Star Trek tie-in hmm, to this historical story and a, and a future story with the Enterprise that is affected by it. Highly recommended. So there we go. This is a series that we are looking forward to there. Yep. They've also in Star Trek, and I've just seen the picture for IDW, they, they brought back Lieutenant Eric from the animated series. Oh. So I'm kind okay. of interested to just sort of, I want to see what they do with him. Well, I've started picking, I haven't been buying but the Star only Trek. In a, but only in a geeky way. You know, it's not, again, it's Star Trek. It's It's cool. I don't buy any of the standard franchise, but I have been buying the New Frontier, which is the mm-hmm. Peter David uh, series. Yeah. That he, he basically owns that whole storyline with characters right. out of Next Gen. Yeah, sort of owns it. I mean, I'm sure he still has to be well, I mean, he's the, he's the author of all the books. Well, let's move on to movies, shall we? Because Star Trek's a movie coming out, and Lon likes movies. The pictures move, and, and there's sound, and they hold his attention better than, than when yes. we talk about comic books. Uh, I'm not sure which of the things here will intrigue us most. So, but let's go with uh, Dark Shadows, which has had two television series, and Lon's right up. But wait, wait, let me see what I can do to make this more interesting. Wait, wait, can I can I interject? Do you have a Dark Shadows story? No. Is this the creepy vampire show that was like in the '70s or something? Yes. Yes. I never saw it, but I've seen like long-running soap opera. Yeah, Yeah, I've heard of it. Barnabas Collins, this longtime vampire. Haunting, if you will, the Collinwood. He didn't Manor. actually. It didn't actually start with. No, him. it didn't. There I was didn't a whole season that. of just ghost stories. Yeah, and then they introduced. And then it turned into Barnabas, Barnabas the, Collins story. Which I can remember totally. I was, and then they had a werewolf, Quentin, uh, Quentin Collins, Quentin Collins, and there was a witch, Angelica, something. Uh, but anyway, Angelique. Was Angelique. This, was this a an American series? Yes, it was. Interesting. And actually, then they, the, the woman who plays Angel played Angelique is still writing uh, Dark Shadows prose books. I didn't know that. And they still have a convention every year. Yeah, it's, everything has a convention. Who everything. put this out? ABC? CBS? It was on ABC. ABC. It was a daily soap opera. Oh, it was a daily? Yeah, it, was it was about daily three, soap 3 o'clock opera. in the afternoon. We used to just race home afterwards no to see No kidding. It. I, I can remember watching that as, as in preschool. I thought it was like a I'm totally freaking show. out. No. It was a half an hour long. No, no. In the 90s, and this may be your confusion, in the 90s they did try reviving it on NBC as a primetime show with Ben Cross as, as Barnabas Collins. I think he was the biggest... Uh, and your biggest actor on yeah. that seri- on that show. Um, there were two movies. There's House of Dark Shadows and which are totally out of continuity Curse- with yeah. the rest of the I, and stuff. I have one of them on on tape. Actually, they're not bad. They're not bad. They're just they're not like Hammer films. Yeah. And now they're going to revive it again as a, as a big screen feature starring Johnny Depp as Barnabas Collins. Oh, can I guess who's directing? I know you can do it. Go. You, go um, who is okay? Johnny Depp. He only works with one director. That director would be Tim Burton. Yes. Awesome. Yes. I knew it. I was going to say Brett Ratner, mm. but uh, <laughs> that's Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Uh, yes. Um, although Brett Ratner is directing something that I keep looking at and just wanting to vomit. I can't remember what it is. Anything he directs, I watch. But I would and say vomit. But I would say that Tim Burton and Dark Shadows is a good combination. It's a Will he be, yeah. will be well, singing in this one? No. But okay. I, I don't know if you are. Well, he might be. Hmm. Are, are, are you? We can't, we can't have any assurances now. Uh, we after, can't. After uh, we, but what I need to know, Lon, before, you know, because it'll set the tone for many, many podcasts yes. to come. Do you like Tim Burton? Actually, I am quite a. Well, I'm an admirer of his work, yes. Okay, good. Okay. I did not see Sweeney Todd, though. I oh, I, you would really enjoy Sweeney Todd. Maybe. Although you don't like musicals, and that would work against it. So. Yeah. 
It's well done though. I, I really but one of my favorite movies is Ed Wood. So great yeah. movie. I thought Ed movie Ed, Ed movie Ed <laughs> Wood was a great movie. So and I thought what was the one uh, giant. Little giant, no. James of the Giant Peach. No, the um, one with uh, Big Fish. Big, Big Fish. Fish. Oh, That's, I love Big Fish. That was a yeah. great movie too. So I wept like Lon Lopez at Gridiron Gang at that movie. It was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. a lot, of, lot of father issues. Yeah. Yes, I know. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. It's it's uh, Big Fish is the feel of dreams for those of us who throw like girls. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, can I quote you on that? Uh, I it believe it's in my. I believe it's in my fanboy planner review. That says that. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who read instead of went outside, <laughs> that's right. And played. Read, yes. <laughs> my father, I wish he accepted me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so Johnny Depp, peace out, Dad. Uh, yeah, so uh, Johnny Depp will be Barnabas Collins, and that's the first I'd heard. Of. I was kind of I thought that was a really cool. I'm, I'm really anxious to see what he's going to do with the role. Can I ask? Did anybody see the MTV? He's going to talk like this the whole time. <laughs> did anybody see the MTV Movie Awards? No. Uh-uh. What okay. can you tell I'll, us that was interesting? I didn't see any of it. I just saw the one part where Depp came out to accept like his second award. How old is Johnny Depp now? Forty-two, forty-three. The man does not age. He came out looking like he just stepped off the set of he 21 Jump Street. Collins. There you go. So maybe he is a vampire. Maybe. Maybe. Something else coming back from the depths of time. Of depth. Masters of the Universe. New film. For the power. No, it's this, I this, have the, the power. power. By the power of Grayskull. Uh, I think he has to say by the power of Grayskull, then he Big says change. I have the power, doesn't he? Yeah. No, I think he twists in a circle really fast. No, no that's not. Oh, that's... That's you every night. I, by the power before, Three times before you lie down for I sleep. I do get twisted. So. Yes. Uh, the actual name of the script, screenplay going around, which apparently has been making the rounds of the of the internet and people are going nuts over, is called Grayskull. The Legend of Tar- Tarzan? No, just Grayskull, Masters oh. of the Universe. I don't know anything about it. Again, didn't know that they had gotten that far with uh, Masters of the Universe. Are you a, a He-Man fan? I was. And let me ask you this. You guys watch the cartoon? I did. I used to when race did, home from college. Occasion. Okay. They're the Masters of the Universe. When did they ever get off that planet? Eternia? Yeah. They never fought for the universe. Ever. They got off the planet in the movie. And then came to Earth. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And in the one of Dolph Lundgren's worst performances ever. And in the ever. deleted, the deleted ending, it was revealed that actually there was like a, a lunar lander on Eternia, and that He Man was from. Um, and they decided not to do that. That they did that in the cartoon, though. Did they? Because I, uh, I, I can remember interviews with Dolph Lundgren where he said, "You know, He Man is half human." Yeah, He Man's mom is actually an astronaut. Oh. And his father is Zeus. His father is king of Eternia, or whatever that guy's wow. name. Wow. King okay. Galador or something? That's like? more than I knew. And, okay. uh, you know, Michal Saman out there in Japan really, really loves He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And he was reviewing for us like when they did the revival on Cartoon Network. The revival was really good. I actually kind of liked it. I watched a couple it. episodes, thought it, was, thought it was okay, except I didn't understand why the Birdmen all talked like Sean Connery. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they had a beard. Of course they had. I have one real big record. beef with the He-Man uh, franchise, though. And, Lon, this one's for you. Yeah, let's say. I, I, worst action figures ever. Um, I don't know, I don't know like, about that. They had like two and a half points of articulation. But you know what? Then, I can I can I can counter the worst action figures ever were the Phantom action figures and tie in with the movie. But anyway, go ahead. No, no, I'd have to say as a kid when those came along, they all, all we action. Well, no, but here's the thing: we were all used to playing with three and a quarter inch or whatever Star Wars Drill figures. Bits. 
No, no, no. The no, Star Wars figures. Yeah, Star yeah, yeah. Wars figures, and the Star Wars figures had very little detail. And they you were and cool. I, we had twelve inch action figures. We right. Did. So we were all, you know. I remember. I remember the first time I saw He Man action figures, the Mervins, right down here in the street. And we, you know, you'd always run up to the kit to the toy aisle, right? And it always had the Star Wars figures, or whatever. Slam into it. They had it yeah, right. They had it on an end cap. Depth perception. They had it on an end cap. Masters of the Universe. And there's this big buffed dude. You know, He Man, and he has a I sword. Want steroids, just yeah, he like has a he's sword, got. and he has a shield, and he, you know, he looks all tough. And you're all, oh yeah, give me some of that. So, I don't know, dude. I thought, okay, so, but back then they didn't really have articulation. I mean, Star Wars didn't have oh, articulation. Star Wars was just up; you could move them yeah. up and yeah. down. That but they had the power punch action, where you could crank back the arm, and he'd swing and punch. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, I'd have to disagree. So you're not going to agree with me, no? Not the okay. worst ever. So no, I think they were far worse. I, okay. and, and I've been. I hated. Him. I've been an action figure of his. I especially hated him when uh, they used the same form for the action figure for Leah. Lee, uh, when they did the uh, Star Wars series where they were all kind of buffed up and you had Leo oh, with... Oh, uh, yeah, was it Star Wars Unleashed or something? Something like that. They didn't Star do Masters. Wars off the leash. Oh, I didn't. They, 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 and they, they were, were also all the like same form buffed up when, kind of characters, when they were Warlord, Leah. When there were Lost World of Warlord toys, they used the same. And Conan also used the same World yeah, of Warlords. that's true. There was a war, war with the DC, the DC character. Oh, uh, Warlord! No, they were they were. I remember those, and they weren't the same molds. They were different. Well, it was a different companies, so it, you know, it oh, wasn't the same mold. But it was the same, same idea of being that weird, really. like constipated legs apart look. Um, anyway, uh, so there he we go. Uh, another uh, another movie that Lon's looking forward to in just a couple of weeks. Love Guru. Hmm? Ah, yes, which has come under attack in recent months from the Hindu. Community believing that it's making fun of the Hindu religion uh, had an interesting defender who has a connection to the comics world. Wait a minute, who could defend uh, the love guru against the the Hindu population and have any credibility? Only the most famous Hindu alive, <gasps> the Deepak, devil, you say? Deepak Chopra, whose wow. son Gautam is the editor in chief of Virgin, Virgin Comics, yeah. and Deepak has written with our friend Joshua M. Dysart a comic book adaptation of the life of Buddha. And so he's sticking up for the love guru. For the love guru, saying, you So know, he does have a sense of humor. He says, apparently the love guru, uh, the character's goal is to become bigger than Deepak Chopra mm. in America. And he said, lighten up. He's basically put out a press release saying, lighten up. Uh, no one takes a, takes a bigger shot than me. You know, They're making fun of me more than, all, more than anyone else, and most specifically. And he's in the movie. Oh, uh, that's why he's defending <laughs> it. You know. He's all, stay away from my money, people. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, all, I have two points on the back end. <sighs> I wasn't going to do an <laughs> accent. <laughs> you, sir. So Who's the love guru. Who could we get? Uh, there's you no, know what? Let's talk about no Tag Jones again. Explicit that you I know what? Use. The Soviet Union, the communists in the 50s, evil. There. We've, ang- we've now at least gotten rid of the Soviets, too. The, I used to Russian date a Russian. She was very good. She was uh, very cool. I'm so. sure. Scrolls, sneaky. Scroll, absolutely. You can't trust a scroll. You cannot. Anyways, I can't wait to see the Love Guru. I know. Two I hope we have it. Do you have a screening? No. They have not given me a screening yet. I think it comes out, no, the 14th, no? No, no, oh. no. The 13th next week is the Hulk. I don't think anything is going up against the Hulk. Oh, the happening is. The happening. Oh, yes. I haven't checked that. I haven't seen that. I don't know well. D- it's Deepak Chopra's first R rated movie. Oh, no, wait. I mean, M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan's. I get them all confused. Oh, thank so. you. I knew he was going there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, 
<laughs> wow. Don't even edit it. I want the hate <laughs> mail to just come and explain. You know, those who like lawn, who want a plushie, they want to get them and burn them in effigy. What? We won't be selling plushies. Hey, we'll be selling effigies. You know what? What? Obama is going to be just don't tell the nominated president or whatever. The I'm so afraid of wherever you're going right and now. And I'm just saying that it's time we all just Laughed. chilled out. Okay? okay. All right. Okay. I'm with it. Here's something that should get some people their blood boiling. Guy Ritchie, better known as Mr. Madonna, <laughs> director of Lock, Stock, and Two Mr. Smoking Madonna. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Mr. Snatched, Madonna, whose career was then ruined by directing a, by directing a film with Madonna, and it swept away. Yes, Can you yes. imagine like you were actually this up and coming filmmaker. Film. You had everything going for you, and then you married Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> Way to go, Guy Ritchie. It almost took down Sean Penn. You know, that happened once, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, too he is going to be directing for Warner Brothers a reimagining of Sherlock Holmes. A tougher, more action-oriented Sherlock Holmes. A young Holmes. Sherlock Holmes? He doesn't get all caught up in all that thinking stuff? No. He, he just, just acts. He thinks with his fist in his Sherlock pipes. Holmes with a pair of six-shooters I could just see the trailer. He, like, punches somebody in the face. <laughs> Elementary. <laughs> exactly, my mm. dear Watson. And I don't have and a lot. Watson's of, a chick this time. I don't have a lot <laughs> invested. Well, who is, there is a woman. Who's the woman in the Sherlock Holmes stories? I can't remember. Uh, there is the the uh, the scandal in Bohemia. Bohemia um. No, no, no. I got it. Watson's going to be like a cholo dude. And so he's going to be like, what up, Holmes? Actually, they've done <laughs> Watson. Watts. They've done they've done Watson as a woman in uh, They Might Be Giants. Ah, yeah, but it was an update. You know, yeah. That was the only thought he was. My favorite still is Without a Clue, where they reversed. Did it. he really only think he was? I haven't seen They Might Be Giants. Mm-hmm. I've listened to their albums though. Don't I really don't like them. don't George let's start. Scott's. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Were we stepping where only sandpaper may rub? What? That sounds really wrong. Okay. Anyway, so that's coming. Uh, and there was also news about a Green Lantern movie this week. Not a lot, but, but just- not. But here's the big difference: not a common Green Lantern movie. Oh, right, right. Not a John Stewart Green not Lantern, a Stewart, movie. but a Hal Jordan focusing on the Hal origin Jordan of Hal origin, Jordan. and we can all just breathe a sigh of relief because they did <sighs> confirm that it's not going to be comedic. But not even Jack the, Black. but the Jack Black was supposed to be Kyle Rayner. Sure. And okay. So, but I, but still, I Kyle Rayner wasn't funny. Not no. at all. No. Right. So give us Green Lantern. So it has been confirmed that they are developing. On the heels of there was news that they were that they had tried to once again behind the scenes revive the Justice League movie in Canada, and now that's looking at a bit 2010 2011. They're still moving forward with that idea of Common as John Stewart. If they can get that cast back, they're still claiming they're going to go forward with that. But hey, you know what? Launch a successful Green Lantern franchise. Yeah, you can launch put, a successful franchise of all of them. They, you know, put, but I mean, what I'm just saying is put Common in the sequel or whatever. Introduce him. Introduce John Stewart, and then you can then when he shows up in the JLA and movie, that's, and that's not the way they wanted to go. But I think, you know, but now if they're smart, they're going to sit back and they're going to watch. Well, it shouldn't be smart because they should be doing parallel. All the fans are excited that Marvel is putting all the pieces together for, for the Avengers, Avengers, which is what DC, which what Warner Brothers should have been doing all along. So they they have to do Thor and Captain America, and then they can do the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And both of those have been announced. So we get uh, we get uh, Thor in 2010. We get Captain. No, 2000. No, you're right. Yeah, 2010. It's Iron Man two and Thor in 2010. 
It's Captain America, the first Avenger, so they can call it overseas, the first Avenger, and not call it Captain America at all, um, in May of 2011, and then the Avengers comes out in July of 2011. So all the pieces go together. It's all there. This is what I'm DC hoping for a done. Nick Fury spinoff movie, too. This is what DC should what I shouldn't say DC, because I know they don't have the power. They're trying. They don't have much sway over at Warner Brothers, uh, you know, who owns them, essentially, but... That, you know they're they're trying, and uh, Warner Brothers is you know who knows, but Green Lantern's a good step. Supposedly the Flash. There was news from uh, Peter Siegel about Captain Marvel. Now they're calling it um, Billy Batson and the Power of Shazam, which is what the children's book that's coming out from DC is going to be called as well. So it's a horrible name, terrible name. Well, but at least the one you know the one thing is he he Billy Batson and the Power of Shazam. That's the kids' book. No, I know, but what like four year old's gonna run up and go, Mommy, mommy, I wanna take me to Billy Batson and the I don't Power know. of Shazam. I don't know. A book called uh, a movie called Harry Potter and the and the Philosopher's They just say Stone. Harry Potter. So you're gonna Billy Batson? You know, I don't know. I'm I, I was saying it I was saying it's not without precedent. Yeah. Uh, Shazam, so, Shazam, 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 Shazam. Oh that's all it is. Don't play with that word lightly. <gasps> oh, sorry. Oh, jeez. Great. Uh, so you know that that's that's moving forward there. We'll see. It'd be the common thing. You know, one thing I want to say is the guy that played Rex Racer in Speed Racer. You have you you saw Speed Racer, didn't you? Rick? No, I haven't yet. No, you haven't yet. Matthew but, Fox. No, no, no. no, no he no. plays oh, the older. The guy that actually plays Rex Racer, Scott oh, young... Porter, is the guy that was going to play Superman in the Justice League movie. Should have played Batman. But he, he, but either way, that I was watching that guy, that guy playing Rex Racer, going. Huh, I could see him as a superhero, and then afterwards I pieced it together that that was the announced Superman, and I thought not really as horrible a choice as I was afraid it would be, because okay. he really carried the gravity of of Rex quite well, and I thought he's got a good, you know, he's a good, good-looking kid, good heroic a- a- attitude. It'd still be too young for for my vision of Superman, and he was a little too uh, California surfer guy for Superman, if you ask me, but no. I guess you could, you know, makeup, hair and makeup. I guess you could do it right. But. Put on the ridiculous wig. No. Uh, so there we go. And then next week, speaking of green, of course, we have Hulk coming. So Monday night, Lon and I will go see uh, The Incredible Hulk. And uh, and I'm, we'll I have to say week, that from all the trailers that have been leaking online. I have not seen a one. It's looking pretty darn good. Is it? Excellent. I'm actually getting excited for the Hulk. Excellent. So and you're okay with the CG? All I know is is out of the four trailers I've seen, and because MySpace released like separate like just scenes, mm. already better than the whole Ang Lee movie. So even if I just go in and see those scenes, I'll be like, all right, cool, I liked it. So no, but there is a <clears throat> scene where Hulk punches Abomination, and he goes, "Is that all you got?" And I was kind of disappointed. Does but, he really say that? Mm-hmm. He speaks. Abomination, yeah. Abomination speaks. Yeah. Oh, okay. But Hulk doesn't. Hulk just goes rawr. Mm, uh, I think Hulk actually. Does says he at any point say know. "take it all"? No, no, he does. <laughs> Still, no. Look, that's in the Ang Lee film. I, I don't like that. I know. And anyway, you keep going there, though. You always do. Oh, oh, I'm the one. Yeah. I'm Anyways, that one, you're. Hulk looks good. Okay, well that's good because I thought were you not a critic of that before? I oh, I hated the first one. No, but I did in the first trailer. Didn't you think that the CG Hulk was not all that impressive? Um, no, I hated the abomination. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, I like, haven't seen a trailer where the CG looks any better than the average video game. Okay. Well, that was kind of our problem with Iron Man, but then Iron Man pulled it off. 
No, I never felt that way about the Iron Man movie trailers. Oh, okay. Because I thought the Iron Man trailer when he shoots the tank looked like a video game to me. But that was one scene, yeah. But it actually looked cleaned up a little bit in the, in the right. Actual movie. So maybe we'll see. I'm hoping it, that they clean up. Yeah. I mean, but the other thing too is it's like a character like that. I don't know what they could do to make that look believable to us. It's just not there yet. You know, the CG just really isn't isn't there. We're going to cross in that valley of the uncanny. All and I know is is were, were you out. like this when Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out? I mean. It's a cartoon. I mean, can't we accept that? I, I don't know why, but I'm feeling a deep, deep sense of irony running through this right now. <laughs> uh, it's like my world is upside down. Uh, so, <clears throat> Take it all. Can we, can, can we move to television, perhaps? Because there's a comic book adaptation coming to television, which actually apparently started out as a television pilot, was rejected in 1999, turned into a miniseries for... Oh, doggone it. I can't remember which publisher did this. Was it Oni? Uh, the Middleman by Javier oh, yes. Grillo Masach, who has been so a writer, writer for Lost. For, for Lost. Um, and so, The Middleman. We Can I do a little uh, side yeah. note? Go ahead. Uh, moreonlife.com, my little <laughs> my website, um, actually did a piece on the comic a long time ago. Clay Robeson, my partner in crime over mm-hmm. at More on Life. Um, met Javier, I can't pronounce his last Rio name. Rio Marsat, I it's, don't know. Yeah, it's so hard. But anyways, um, interviewed him at Dragon Con a couple years ago. Got the comic. We did a little write-up on the site. Um, Clay really liked it, thought it was a cool comic. Um, and we were invited to, I guess they had a blogger's uh, like press uh, phone-in thing. Oh, interesting. And so we were invited to do that. Well, actually, Clay was, because, you know. But uh, so on modernlife.com, we actually are featuring uh, excerpt, I guess, more or less just a preview of the show and, you know, Javier's journey to get it out on the and air. Well, and enough, it is starring Matthew Kiesler, who two, three years ago I interviewed because he was in this movie Jekyll, mm. which is also coming out on home video in, uh, this See month. See how he does that? Yep. See how he just stole my thunder right there? That's no, no, great. no. It's because you didn't. I'm just you kidding. Didn't, yeah, you haven't, He'll get back to you. He'll get back to you. You haven't yet offered to let me cross-post that piece on uh, Fanboy Planet. So, you know. You oh, I could if you want. You could. In yeah. fact, I would love that. That would oh, be wonderful because okay. I like Clay. He's a good guy. He's one of my peeps now. No, oh, okay. He's good an improv, improv person. Yes, but uh, on our little site, though, you can Clay actually posted the trailer um, for the show. And uh, you know ABC Family, for middleman. yeah, for Middleman. Getting AB- back to the right, right. ABC wow. Family, June sixteenth, I believe. So two Sundays in two Sundays, but- and uh, it's they're basically basing the story around this girl. I forget her name. Um, who's she's a reporter? No, she's just kind of one of those like dead end job kind of you know going from kind of you know kind of just stumbling through life, and she comes across the middleman. And he kind of recruits her, and it gets—it's got the feel of really like a Men in Black type. Is he a superhero? Called he, the Middleman. I don't know if he's actually a superhero, but he's like a—he. They're basically they fight monsters, ghosts, and you know what I mean. Like it's kind of like a Men in Black, like Scooby Doo. Maybe this is your assignment, Earth. Come to come to pass. Hmm. But then he recruits her, and together they team up, and they have these cool guns. And I believe there's a monkey villain, which makes it very important to me to I watch this show. I'm not sure. I think there is, but sure you can see. But I don't know because I haven't read the book. I, and now I'm interested in reading the trade, and and so so that's uh, exciting coming too. It's, it's great when a, when a a comic book basically gets translated, and by all accounts, 
very well, very faithfully to a and television series. And by its series. creator, yeah. Yeah. Will it... Uh, Not will out it, of the hands of the creator. What will it channel go, again? ABC Family. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of an interesting On choice. Cable. Uh, but that's okay. I think you know most basic systems carry that. Uh, it's Disney. Same channel basically. as Wildfire. You Anyone? <laughs> Anyone? Okay. No. Uh, no. No. But here's here's my here's my one take on this. The one thing I will say for us geeks, basically all the series is all the series have ended now for the season. Yep. So now you're getting a new comic book series that will go over the summer, and uh-huh. you can jump on right now at the very beginning. And if it's good, you know, yeah, you, well, get, you get to have a, you know, I'm, you got I'm, something I'm, to watch I'm every Sunday. I'm looking forward to that, although it is, it is, I got to say, competing apparently at the same amount as, as the TV Land Awards, uh, which only is of note because my, one of my many bosses uh, is making an appearance on that, and so I, I'm torn. Uh, William Cat, uh, owner of Catastrophic Comics, will be appearing on the TV Land Awards at the same time, and so thank heavens for TiVo or DVRs, so... Uh, let me turn to DVDs, if I may, because there's one definitely that uh, that should be of interest to uh, Family Planet readers, if they don't know they are, uh, is The Invaders. Were you an Invaders fan? I was scared crazy over The Invaders. I love that show. So last week, okay, well, let's fill you in there. Uh, it's a series from 1968, ran two seasons. The first okay, season was on DVD. You then. weren't even born. Your father wasn't even thinking about it. And... Uh, it's basically basically an extension of uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, didn't they just come out with a show? Oh, it was Invasion. Invasion, yeah, it was I a mean, movie. Yeah, um, and there've been yeah. It, Wasn't there just a TV show a couple years back with like Carla Gugino or something? Uh, yes, uh, Threshold. Threshold. Yeah, okay. and the, but the that was that was but, very different. But but, okay. it, but it is all basically from the Invasion of the Body Snatchers well, mold, and it's a, it's a combination of that and um, the Fugitive. The Fugitive produced by the same guy, guy who knows knows that the secret. Yeah, this guy pulls off in the middle of the night of the road to take a nap because he's too tired. He wakes up, he sees an, he sees a spaceship land. And he goes to the authorities to report this, saying this is really strange. Does they he go inside? No, no, because no, I just watched the I just watched, watched the, the, the first episode, house. and he go, he goes he brings the the cops back to the place. All these little subtle details have been changed for some reason, and he runs into this couple who uh, basically attack him later, who start glowing red like they can't. So he figures they are aliens. These aliens are invading and trying to make the world more palatable for the atmosphere, more breathable for them, trying to increase the pollution, trying to make the atmosphere more toxic for humans so that they can come in. They can look like humans for a certain amount of time. Then they're, then they, have they have to get to into get, these stand-up uh, tubes where they hold onto the sides and they, mm-hmm. they get energized and they can go back out again. But the only thing they couldn't do is make their their bone structure the same. So you can tell they're aliens was their... They've got a finger like so it's bent back on both hands, and that's how you can tell they're, that they're the aliens. They also have a really cool little disc that causes uh, undetectable uh, heart attacks, so they kill a lot of their right. Why they don't just come out and invade and, uh, and kill, I don't know. But it certainly does make for a creepy show. And uh, so the DVD is uh, uh, just came out last week. And the great thing is it was starred Roy Thinnes, who, who was crucial to the X-Files as well with that movie coming out. Uh, Roy Thin has had, had a, like a three episode arc throughout of X Files where he was really uh, he was part of the alien invasion then, um, and he I, I've rarely seen this where he does personal introductions to every episode, 
and they got him back. Oh. And so it's really he does a little commentary beforehand. Like There's a couple was of, going on, or yeah, you know, just a little and bit, and what should what should be, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I'd see that, and I haven't gotten to watch the documentary section yet. I mean, but there's a little piece there, and they've also unearthed the original version of the pilot, which is longer with a different ending. And uh, so they've really kind of gone all out. The only thing I'm unhappy about with it is that the cover makes it look like it's a modern show instead of what I thought was always the coolest logo ever with that just, you know, the wild. Because I never saw it as a kid. I had the big little book. Oh, uh-huh. Invaders, Alien Missile Threat, which I read over and over and over. And I had a Whitman novel called Invaders, Dam of Death. So I'd only read two books with those characters. And then, you know, so it was kind of a nice, hey, now all these years later, a good 38 years later, I get to actually watch the show. And it's actually pretty good for a show from the 60s. It, it held up. How many seasons do they go? It's only two. Yeah. It's only two. So only one season's out on DVD so far. But uh, and I don't think they wrapped it. I don't think they had a. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, we'll find Kinda out. Kind of like Jericho. Ah, yes. Are you? But bitter? the fugitive actually had an ending. Yeah, the fugitive had an ending. Um, so, but the invaders out there, check it out. It's really a pretty good weekly sci-fi series, and uh, for and getting away with not having much of a budget. But there's some really good stars in there too. When I have a written review of The Invaders Up, you can have a link and follow it on on Amazon. And DVD that I, I watched last night that just came out, uh, Mama's Boy with John Hedder. Have you, did you Not hear to it? be confused with Grandma's Boy, right? No, right, 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 which was a Harold Lloyd silent film. I know it was also another film by the uh, Adam Sandler people. Uh, but uh, Mama's Boy is... Uh, <clears throat> has some oh, is book- that the one with uh, the, the, the Sling Blade guy? What's his name? Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton. No, no, you're thinking Mr. Woodcock. Oh, where he's but a, but kind of a similar plot, in, in that it's basically him versus an older guy encroaching on his mom. Who plays and, the older guy? Uh, Jeff Daniels in this one, and uh, Diane Keaton plays John Hedder's mom, and then Anna Ferris, who was in all the scary movies, is there's this love interest. This was straight to DVD. Never straight hit? to DVD. Um, I thought. Uh, and so I watched this last night, and it just came out yesterday on DVD. And I, and I thought, oh, I'll pop this in, and we'll be kind of timely with it and watch it and see. Wow, John Hedder just is a very limited actor. Would you agree with me on this? Yes and no. You put him in different haircuts, and that's about it. You know what, though? The thing is, is I think people put him in roles because he fits that mm-hmm. nerdy, can't-succeed loser kind of thing. Yeah, and this movie kind Sometimes of flails, it works. This movie flails around trying to... The premise was that the guy, like at the very beginning, sets up his father died when he was little. He becomes very attached to his mom. He sees himself as the protector, and and he's not moved out of the house. But once he becomes an adult and they get to John Hedder as the character, he's just a jerk. But he's definitely meant to be like one of us. He's you know he read I, a nice touch that I thought was funny is he he's shown at the kitchen table reading an old issue of Thor while wearing latex gloves to protect the sanctity of it and it was like so there's little off references to that he moves into the basement of his mom's house but I couldn't figure out why any character in this movie would even like him and uh, and I didn't laugh it was so I, I gotta say a movie that was supposedly aimed at Who us Who played the mother again? Diane Keaton Wow But Diane Keaton and Jeff Daniels have a couple of scenes where they're really good I mean you can just tell these, these old pros Jeff Daniels from Dumb and Dumber Really? Don't, isn't Diane Rose Keaton a little old for him? 
She's looking doggone good. Really? Wow. Yeah, I mean, he's Well, there's a- that other movie where Keanu Reeves was trying to score with her, and I'm like... And apparently, they actually dated in real life. What, what is so hot about this old broad is what I want to know. Diane Keaton is hot. She's a cougar. Diane Keaton is hot. <laughs> I'm just at a point where I get so tired of you, I laugh at anything you say. <laughs> I amuse myself. I know you do. And so, what else we got? Well, I had a little, you know, speaking of, of these weird, of way, weird May Decembers, I had a little Doctor Who gossip. Now, last oh, week yeah. you talked about Neil Gaiman, right? Yes, we did. Coming in. Yes, we did. Uh, and now, has Sci Fi shown the Doctor's Daughter episode yet? I think that's this week. Which the new executive producer, Donald Moffat, uh, wrote and argued for. Um, well, apparently, David Tennant, that saucy boy, uh, is dating his own daughter. He's got a daughter? <laughs> well, no, but his character does. Uh, in an episode does he know? Coming up on Sci-Fi called The Doctor's Daughter. The actress who plays The Doctor's Daughter is literally the daughter of an actor who has played Doctor Who, uh, Peter Davison, who was the fifth Doctor. Um, and, uh, and, the, and the woman who, she's the daughter of the woman who played Trillian on the original TV series of, of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. So yeah, you, know, you can see that sort of bloodline going, and uh, so David Tennant apparently has uh, started canoodling with the with the woman who played. And I just I don't know why I felt it was worth talking about, but it's like oh doggone it, that guy is just caught cut an erotic swath through the BBC's young actors file because he was dating the woman who played Madame Pompadour in the second season. She so, was hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. All you're telling me is he's got good taste. He's got good taste, and he's, he's totally within taste. the law. This is true. So, at any rate, uh, there you go. Uh, I just had that little little bit of tidbit. I was looking up as we finally... Apparently, there was some sort of email mix-up, and Jamie Kelwook has sent me like four Doctor Who reviews in one big document because he's been sending them to me, sending them to me weekly, and I haven't gotten them. So, uh, apparently, this is going to be like a Doctor Who week as I catch up on all the episodes he's reviewed. And so, as I was doing research, I came across that piece of gossip, and I went... That's naughty. Doggone it is. It's very naughty. It's saucy. Did somebody say sassy? Yes. I used to have a headphone like that, but then my mom got a job. What? Anyway, it's a love guru reference. Okay. Lighten up. I got it. Lighten up. Didn't say anything. No, I know. I'm just, we were, I'm calling back to earlier in the podcast. You know what? I don't know that I have anything else. Do you have anything else, Rick? I've got nothing else. Long. I've got nothing of substance, but that's never stopped me before. Exactly. So what do you <laughs> want to talk about? Nothing? All right. If you've got it's just some... good to have you back, Derek. It, th- thank, thank you. If uh, you've got something of substance. You're supposed you... to say it's good to be back. Hey, can I? Before, Everybody says that. Before we add, just one, can I just add one quick thing? Sure. No. Just quick action figure news. Oh, give it to me. Uh, I was at uh, KB last week. There's still KB toys? Yeah. yeah. And uh, the Great Mall. Oh, yeah, okay. And uh, the uh, Iron Man toys, okay, they released a second wave of Iron Man toys. Really? And you can get a Titanium Man action figure. Interesting. Which is interesting because Titanium Man was not in the movie. No. But it's not a comic book version of Titanium Man. Is it potentially a video game version? Ooh, I didn't think about that. Because I know, and I haven't played the Iron Man video game, but I know like the Fantastic Four video games even though they were using the movie versions, mm-hmm. would go deeper into the Marvel Universe. So like Puppet Master is a villain in the first Fantastic Four video That's, game. That actually mm-hmm. could be a quite a good... And the uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer game begins taking on the Skrull Empire. I just thought that was interesting that 
they actually had a character design for a Titanium Man action figure that could have possibly. I mean, could we see it in a sequel? I don't know. So, well, there's a lot of room. There's a lot of Titanium yeah. Man. There's a, why not give us a Crimson Dynamo? Yeah, well, ti- was Titanium Man the- Russian too? I don't think because so. I think on this figure he has a Russian symbol. Maybe or I don't know, but anyway. So I just thought that was interesting little tidbit of news. So that was my little well, that's action pretty figure. Thank you. That, that ends us on I a much better note. Uh, please write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. You might get your email read on the podcast. Let us know you care. Absolutely. I am Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com. I am Lon Lopez, uh, awesome dude from moronlife.com. I am Rick Brett Snutter, and I control everything that's said here. Really? <laughs> well, remember... Control freak! Use your powers! Only for good! Well, you see what I do to your voice there. This week's podcast is brought to you by Baggage from DC Comics. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com. I arrived back in San Jose at Good 7 alibi, huh? You know what? It was like Night of Did. I wish I had a camera for you guys because we left Disneyland at midnight and they didn't fuel up the buses. So we stopped at Buttonwillow to fuel up the buses. And by law, the buses cannot have passengers on it while you refuel nice. in case something explodes. In case they blow up. So at 2.45 in the morning, we had to wake up 120 schoolgirls <laughs> at the TA truck stop. <laughs> And it was like Night of the Living Dead. I wish I had my camera. They were. It was like, ah. And they all, all pushed up. And they it. all go into. And then, of course, then, and then it's, it's Notre Dame. <laughs> they, they all have to buy the- food. <laughs> hey, we're at a place that sells food. Hungry. I'm not hungry, but we're awake now. And so the, the stop took like 20 minutes longer than it should have because, of course, there's one lone person in the red eye. Who's <laughs> just looking and going. Doing the graveyard shift. Uh, and there was one truck driver hiding in the men's room. <laughs> it's like I walked in and he goes. Okay, I've got a continuity problem. Page two. That's nine dollars and forty six cents. The hand of whoever it is hands three bills and says, Keep the change. It's Bruce Wayne. Yeah. How do you you, what is fifteen dollars? Maybe. Or maybe it's three hundred. It's eleven. Okay. What is Bruce Wayne doing walking around with folding money? Over? You know what though? In the DC universe, the though, they yeah. use two dollar bills from what I see, or three dollar bills. That's really against three dollar bills. Like, <laughs> really? It no, still doesn't work. Four dollar bills. Four dollar bills. There we go. Into... What is Bruce Wayne doing in Starbucks? Is it just me? Is Batman a pilot a lot more these days than he used to be? Well, he's got more vehicles now. They, I guess they so. got the okay to do the fun vehicle. Yeah, but how can you patrol Gotham in a jet? It's like, whoosh, done. You shatter all the windows and you fly by. <laughs> no crime now, they're all deaf. But he used to fly to the, <laughs> the international Batman in the. <laughs> Clearing the throat. Sorry. Yeah. Here we go.
I'm just waiting for the paper. Okay. Uh, listen up, fanboys. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. Yes. And here's your host, fresh off the bus from Button Willow, it's Derek McCaw. Mm-hmm. Button Willow, town of magic. Uh, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. I, I suddenly was speaking like some kind of like Klingonese. The cow. Uh, Sorry, it's yeah, oh, you just throw me off. I here. want to start over. I'm going to have to too. 